Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the daily podcast where we read a page of The Wise Man's Sphere, and then we talk about it. This is page 514, chapter 77, Penny's Worth. Twilight was settling in as we rounded a curve in the road. I heard clapping and stomping mingled with music, shouting, and roars of laughter. After ten hours of walking, the sound lifted my spirits to an almost cheerful level. Located at the last major crossroad south of the Eld, the Pennysworth Inn was enormous. Built of rough-hewn timber, it had two full stories and a scattering of gables that hinted at a smaller third floor above that. Through the windows, I caught glimpses of men and women dancing while an unseen fiddler sawed out a mad and breathless tune. Dayton took a deep breath. Can you smell that? I'll tell you, there's a woman in this place who could cook a stone and make me beg for more. Sweet peg. By these hands, I hope she's still around. He made a curving gesture, showing the double meaning of his words as he nudged Martin with an elbow. Hespy's eyes narrowed as she stared at the back of Dayton's head. Oblivious, Dayton continued, Tonight I'll sleep with a belly full of lamb and brandy, although a little less sleeping might prove a little more entertaining if my last trip here was any indication. I saw the storm brewing on Hespy's face and spoke up quickly. Whatever's in the pot and a bunk for each of us, I said firmly. Anything else comes out of your own pocket. Dayton looked as if he couldn't quite believe his ears. Come off it! We've been sleeping rough for days! Besides, take your money! Don't be a stingy shim with it! We haven't done our job yet, I said calmly. Not even a piece of it. I don't know how long we may be out here, but I know I'm not rich. If we run through the mayor's purse too quickly, we're going to have to hunt for what? The end of the page. I'm Nick. I'm Joanna. I'm Jeremy. There's a lot of little reactions happening on this page, and I'm not totally sure what all of them mean. I I take this to mean that uh, they often spend the mayor's money on, shall we say, pleasures of the flesh. Uh, this is a common thing. I mean, Dayton might be putting on a show. Maybe he always gets the, the talk, you know, shot down here, but he's always trying his best. But the sense I get is that m- maybe they uh, push around the, the dolts who, who lead them more often than not. Uh, or maybe the dolts who lead them try to ply them with, uh, with extra bonuses here and there. Uh, but the sense I get is that uh, Dayton was expecting to get uh, a little bit of uh, downtime uh, on the mayor's coin here. Yeah, I mean, I was actually thinking about Hespy's reaction. Mm-hmm. And also, the storm is brewing on Hespy's face, but for some reason I heard you say Tempe and it made me extra confused. So I'm going to propose what I believe is happening, and you can tell me if you agree or not. Okay. So Dayton is talking about a woman who works here who he is f- buddies with, Sweet Peg, who... Uh, he hopes is still around. And he means that to mean both she is still working here and that she's still curvaceous in all the right places, which is why he makes the gesture with his hands. Mm -hmm. And that bothers Hespy because he's being a bit of a pig. And perhaps he has been this way before and it annoyed her the last time they were here too. Uh, And then he continues to make lascivious references to his uh, sexual liaisons with Peg when he goes on and says, a little less sleeping might prove a little more entertaining if my last trip here was any indication. Meaning, of course, that he got less sleep because he was otherwise occupied in the bedroom. And once again, Hespy finds this irritating. Now, it could just be that Hespy is irritated because Dayton is thinking with his dick instead of with any other part of his body. But it could also be, and I'm just putting this together right now, that she's sweet on him and she's jealous. Jeremy, you are truly a oracle uh, because 
that is exactly what it is. As we later learn, Hespi has a crush on Dayton and uh, is not too uh, good at articulating it. And eventually they do uh, confess to one another. Senpai does notice her. Mm. Well, and if Dayton feels the same way, uh, first of all, thank you for, for your praise, but I, I suspect that it's less because I have oracular talents and more because I've read this book before and I probably knew this and then forgot it or half forgot it. But of course, this could also be Dayton trying to get her attention. This is like the grown man equivalent of like pulling the pigtails of the girl you like. Like, I'm going to annoy you by talking about my sexual prowess with other women so that you'll pay attention to me. Yes. Uh, the one thing I think we can totally agree on is that uh, Dayton uh, is here to get pegged. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that was much funnier than I expected it to be. I definitely, like, saw that joke coming a mile away, and yet still it got me. God damn it. You're so <laughs> mad. <laughs> Jordana, does that reading of Hespi's reactions jibe with your understanding of what's going on, or did you have an alternate suggestion? What my, I was kind of just trying to figure out, like, Hespi wouldn't care unless she had skin in the game. Was really like that, and I'm just trying to figure out what kind of skin in the game does she have. But her having eyes for Dayden would be mm-hmm. would be the thing. So yes, I agree with you. Wonderful, thank you, Oracle Jeremy. Uh, that's what I'm here for. Here at Delphi every Thursday. That was really my only note on the page for the most part, I think. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Yeah, as as always, yeah, as always on pages where there's a lot of of uh, moving and dialogue. Well, I mean, not dialogue. As there's like a lot of moving from place to place, or in action scenes, um, or you know, setting a new scene. There's very there's often not a lot to kind of analyze. So I think the only other thing that I want to discuss is that. Uh, the way that the Pennysworth Inn is described, I think Quoth says as much, it located at the last major crossroads south of the Eld. This is kind of like the last natural stopping point for a traveler for quite a long time. And probably like the last and largest inn for miles around in any direction, which I think has made it prosperous, right? It's kind of like, you know, the last stop before you go into this dangerous piece of wood or the first thing you hit when you come out of this dangerous piece of wood, either way, you're probably going to want to stop for a drink. And so I think that explains partially why it's so big and prosperous. Yep. I totally agree. This is also the first place in civilization that Quoth returns to after his time with Felurian. In fact, this is the first time he is seen by any other person. I believe he makes his, his grand re-entrance at this inn as Dayton is telling the story of Quoth's kidnapping or abduction by Florian. Uh, so this is the sort of bookend between the, the end of civilization, as you described Jeremy and the, the wilds and the Fae that Kvothe is about to enter into. Hell yeah. We have a letter today from Madeleine who writes, uh, like milkweed. Hi pagers. After recently finishing my third read of wise man's fear, I Googled King killer podcasts, hoping some lively discussion would keep things fresh in my mind while waiting for doors of stone. I found yours and it's just what I was hoping for. I'm writing to point out a notable juxtaposition on pages one, three, three to one, three, five. First, we see Elodin chasing after the milkweed seeds fellas, interesting fact prize only to injure himself and realize that the only way to catch the seeds is to let them fall to him. You all pointed out that this works well as a metaphor for naming, which seems to come to people when they aren't looking for it. I think it's interesting that on the next page, Quoth goes looking for Denna and Temerant, stopping at all of her frequent haunts. 
It's only after he stops looking that he hears her laughter, and neither he or the narrator makes the same observation about finding Denna that was previously made about catching the milkweed seeds. I don't have any thoughts about a deeper meaning to this parallel, but would like to hear your thoughts. Thank you for your lively and thought-provoking reads. Signed, Madeline. Well, what a joy to have you with us. And I think that is a very astute observation. And while it applies to the specific case of Denna, I think it also applies to the general case of love. You know, you, uh, you have to put yourself out there. You have to put yourself in a position to find milkweed pods. But uh, often the relationships that mean the most to you and that uh, last the longest come to you when you're not expecting them, when you're not chasing them down. They kind of fall into your lap almost by happenstance. So what I'm hearing from this is that if Rothfuss writes like a side book just about Dennett, it should be called The Name of Love. I think that uh, more specific to the name of this book, the relationship to Denna parallels that of naming and of seeking the wind. All of Quoth's actions are kind of returning to this same, all of Quoth's desires and his actions that he takes in, in seeking the answer to his desires kind of come back to this central idea that you can strive and strive, but to simply be yourself in the moment uh, be able to receive the milkweed is is maybe what you need to be doing. And Cloth, as someone who is so skilled and such a hard worker, it's not easy for him to just kind of settle his mind. Indeed. I think that the metaphor of the milkweeds, as well as the metaphor of like, this is how naming works, and also this is how love works, are all connected. Not Not necessarily literally, in the sense that like, love is magic, but uh, certainly thematically well and isn't love a kind of magic just as music is a kind of magic i mean i think in the context of the book love is not magic the way that say music might be well we have i mean we have no evidence yet but then again we are told that there are seven words that can make a woman love you which maybe has maybe was a joke maybe was just a bit that denna was doing but it could be that there is some literal magic uh, or like a way to manipulate affection with, with magic. Certainly Fulurian is kind of in that area. So, yeah, I was just going to say, Kvothe comes across like a personified being of like absolute desire. But of course she's, she's lust, but not love. But I, I think we are kind of, we're simpatico here in saying that they are not, mutually exclusive there's definitely some kind of magic in that in that realm i suppose the answers to those questions will have to wait and you can wait with us in our realm listeners on tomorrow's page uh the wind. Wind.